I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. Exciting. How are you doing, listeners? Adam Buxton here. Very nice to be with you again on this uh, relatively nice evening out here in the east of England in a random field. I'm looking out over some flooded marshland right now. Actually, the floods are subsiding, but it's been very damp the last few days. Probably has been in your parts too. Don't mean to presume about the condition of your parts, but um, I know it's been inclement all over the area. I'm not going to talk about the weather too much longer, but I do think about it a lot (laughs) out here. And my life's fairly simple. It's mainly, what's the weather like and where's Rosie? Rosie's my dog friend. Currently, she's up ahead. I can actually see her sashaying, sniffing around and having a great, great time. But if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that occasionally... She goes chasing after all sorts of animal types, and I sometimes worry that she's just not going to come back. So, this week, she is wearing a new attractive black cylindrical GPS tracking device. I've got an app downloaded to my phone. I've paid a a subscription for a year's worth of GPS tracking. So far, it seems to work quite well. It's not instant but uh, it does give me a bit of added confidence when she disappears, yipping off. (laughs) Rosie can hear some barking in the distance. Boy, she is bouncing around now. There you go. Okay, so this will be a good test of the GPS tracker. Rosie! Oh, she's off. This is like a very boring Bourne film, isn't it? (laughs) The Bourne Pet. Matthew Bourne, is he called Matthew Bourne? Kevin Bourne's pet dog goes missing. Its memory has been wiped. And so has Kevin Bourne's memory. The only thing that can reunite them is a small GPS tracking device. But Bourne has not paid the yearly subscription. All right, here we go. Refresh. Refreshing Rosie. Taking a while, taking a while. I have no idea where Rosie is right now. Oh, she's right there. (laughs) Okay. Good dog for not going miles away. But uh, just so you know, I'm following you via satellite. All right, let me tell you about podcast number 71, which features a conversation with British comedian, actor and writer Jade Adams. I first became aware of Jade Adams when I heard her on Carrie Ad Lloyd's grief cast. And she was talking there with Carrie Ad about losing her sister Jenna, her older sister, in 2011. And we speak a little bit about that in this podcast. But really that was a pivotal moment in all sorts of ways in Jade's life. And amongst other things... 
it turned out to be the spur for her performing career. Jade left her native Bristol in 2011 and she started doing comedy in London, often in drag clubs like Sink the Pink, Johnny Woo's Unroyal Variety, The Glory and the Vauxhall Tavern. Just three years later, in 2014, she won the Funny Women Award. And in 2016, she was a nominee at the Edinburgh Comedy Awards. She's in Edinburgh again this year, in fact, with her third show, an homage to Bette Midler entitled The Divine Miss Jade. So if you're up in Edinburgh this year, do check that out. She's at the Pleasance with that. My conversation with Jade was recorded in February of this year, 2018. And you should be warned that it is a spicy one, especially the first 15 minutes or so, which contains some frank, some would say much too frank, references to sexual matters and some fairly unsavoury dead rat chat. Jade was running a little bit late to our session, which took place at my friend's house in London, so that's why she's a little bit out of breath uh, when you hear her talking at the beginning. Uh, about an idea for a podcast featuring herself and her older boyfriend teaching each other about their respective generations. I'll be back for another Helping of Waffles at the end of the podcast, but right now, here we go with Jade. podcast I ever thought about doing is he and I, te- I'm teaching him things about being a millennial Okay. and he's 46 and him teaching me things about being older, yeah. including music, because my music tastes start and finish at musical theatre and opera. Right, okay. Well, I say opera, I like, you know, the basics of opera and it, what a, a working class person would describe as opera probably yeah and if i speak to any actual opera singers they're like they start trying to school me on it and i'm if, unless it's got some sort of film reference in it i'm not your girl how did you get into all that stuff um well i sing i sing in my act i sing opera yeah. and um i went to a posh school i didn't i wasn't meant to uh-huh. i went to uh, a school that my mum sent me to because she didn't want me to get bullied in the other school mm-hmm. So me and my sister got into the local church school and uh, we I, I was the only person in school that had this accent. Yeah. So I was like, you know, the class clown and Jade, say butter again. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Bristol, right? In Bristol, yeah. <laughs> and what was posh about it? It was called St. Mary Redcliffe and Temple School. Yeah. It was the number one, how long the name of the school is. But also it's got great Ofsted reports. And it's it was like t- a top 50 comprehensive schools in Bristol. It's, it's still a, it's not a private not fee school. fee-paying. No. Yeah, it's not fee-paying. But then we'd, we went to the school and we had to like sort of go in and then they decided whether or not we had the, a good enough CV at the age of 10 to get into their school. And my sister was already there, so it was sort of obvious that I went. 
And uh, I, I met the roughest girls at the school immediately. Like, uh, I sort of started hanging out with them and I got into trouble with them. One of them lit the school toilets on fire. Whoa. How'd they do that? They put, it's not, it wasn't real, like, fire. It was like they put toilet roll <laughs> inside of the basin of the toilet and lit it yeah. with some matches. And I was just stood there and there was three other girls doing it and they were all laughing. And then I flushed the toilet and we just carried on our business. And then was in the playground and Mr. McGregor, our headmaster, came over to us furious and took us up to the office Someone must have told him because there was no smoke anywhere. Apparently, there was smoke coming out the window, but it wasn't enough to. Anyway, I've never understood what the real story was. But we get to the office. I tell Becky Mooney, I can't, I've got to stop saying real names. Um, I told Becky Cauliflower that her, um, <laughs> <laughs> that I had Matt because I was smoking fags at that age as well. Like I was like 13, uh-huh. 14. I was sort of smoking fags. Lamberts and Butlers down the alleyway. I was so rough. Um, and I had matches in my socks and I was I told her about it. I was like, oh, you know, it was it had nothing to do with me lighting. But then when we went into the headmaster's office, all of them had spoken beforehand about turning me into the person that had uh, did it. Yeah. Um, and she said, and Jade's got matches in her sock. So I got into massive trouble. They could see that they'd all ganged up on me. But that made them fall out. And I was on my own. I had no friends. I was sort of sat in, I was sat in the playground, sort of my lunch on my legs and... All because of the toilet arson incident. Yeah, all because of that. Flipping it. I was just sat on my own and quite sad. And then these two girls came over to me and said, oh, do you want to come and hang out with us in the mm. music room? I was like, all right then. And then that was that. And they were my best friends at school for the rest of school. And Music pals. Yeah, my music. And they were, they were posh girls. And they were like, uh, Joe played the violin and Hannah did musical theatre. And then there was other music pals that we met. There was Ruby and she sort of played piano and sang a bit. And then we'd hung out with our our music teacher, Ed Davis, who like wrote musicals and put us in them. And if it hadn't have been for that moment, I probably wouldn't be sat here with you on this sofa. Yeah. It's so mysterious, isn't it? The alchemy of friendships at that age. You can't buy it. You can't send your children to the right school where that thing is guaranteed to happen. It's total chance wherever they are. Like people trying to decide their kids' future by sending them to, I I do quotation marks with my fingers, good schools. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's just you you can't determine someone's future by the school they go to. No, I guess our parents think, well... I'm hedging my bets. I'm giving them the best chance. But really what it comes down to is exactly what you've just described, those chance meetings with friends that that you click with. And sometimes they don't happen. I went to university. Where did you go? So, well, first of all, I went to Warwick University to study English and I lasted all of one term. (laughs) Um, Then I went to art school uh, and I did uh, my foundation in London and then went out to Cheltenham to study sculpture. We nearly moved to Cheltenham when I was about 10. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it, it, Dad got a pay a, a promotion at work and we went and I remember us, when I was quite young, going to look at houses in Cheltenham and I remember being really sad that we were moving from Bristol. Bristol's nicer than Cheltenham, no yeah. disrespect <laughs> to the Cheltenham massive. <laughs> but um, there were some nice people there, but I never sort of bonded with people the way that I did when I was... Um, at school and I was younger you know all my closest friends are are friends that I made when I was 12 and 13 still you know it's interesting that maybe had you have stayed with all the friends that you'd made previous to being uh, of going there maybe you wouldn't have done what you've done because you wouldn't have had that feeling of being an outsider yeah maybe who knows I would have been yeah if I hadn't made such good pals when I was younger I might have made better pals when I was at university and fulfilled my potential (laughs) <laughs> as uh, 
a doctor, like a sex therapist, <laughs> counsellor. I always wanted to be a sex therapist. Like, um, what was her name? Tracy Cox that used to do... She was an Australian woman that used to do TV shows all about sex. I don't remember Tracy Cox. <laughs> Tracy Cox is just discussing what it's like to be a woman in this day and age where women are allowed to also orgasm just like the men. That's a good name for a sex therapist as well. I know. I used to listen. There was a program on LBC, uh, like a London radio station, which still exists, I think. And it was called Sexual and Marital Problems, I think it was. And people would ring in with really quite explicit descriptions of what was going wrong in their sex lives. And I would listen at night in bed and get quite turned on by it. And it was, But it was also quite funny. So it was a good mix of just mad and sort of sexy stuff. I used to sneak up to my mum and dad's room because I wasn't allowed to watch it. And they had a telly in their room, so I'd sneak up to their room and I would be like, oh, I'm going to go off to play with my Barbies or whatever it was. I was I'd play with Barbies to a quite an old age. Yeah. And uh, I used to go up to their room and like turn on Euro Trash and watch that. I used to get well turned on by Euro Trash. Mm. It was... Um, there would be quite a few willies in Euro Trash, there'd be lots there? of willies, yeah, yeah. yeah. There'd be, and there'd be actual shagging in it as well. There'd right. be like, if there was an erect penis, there'd be like a, a star on it. And, yeah. And then some sort of like awful German dub. And it was just, I just loved it. And the guy that... Um, Antoine Ducon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was brilliant. He's they, amazing. They were they were going to bring that back, but I just don't know who they would get to replace him. Well, Antoine de Combe was the original host, and who was the, the the designer? What's his name? You know, the French, the other French guy with the white hair, the bleached hair. Oh, my, was he the other guy? I didn't know that. Hello, fact checking Santa here. It was Jean Paul Gaultier, of course. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Antoine Ducon uh, was the original host and he was a bit more uh, kind of uh, smoothie man with a suit and uh, dark hair. He's apparently a lovely man and also I'm reliably informed that he smells delicious. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in Edinburgh one time when I was up there doing a show and someone said, oh, I just bumped into Antoine Ducon on the bus. He's ama- He smells amazing. I just got an email from Antoine Ducon. <laughs> says, stop talking about me. I never, uh, don't do that accent. (laughs) (laughs) They're important, those kinds of shows, though, as, you know, I think the people that make those kinds of shows, whether it's a radio phone-in about sex or a TV show, you have a certain degree of responsibility because there are always going to be kids tuning into that stuff and they will create the formative impressions that children have about sex i guess that's the depressing thing about the internet now well there's no because there's no regulation like when you when you used to watch euro trash there'd be some form of regulation on what you were watching because it was made for television but porn on the internet's got absolutely no regulation whatsoever and anyone of any age can go and look at anything it means like i watch euro trash and they would make sex funny and then that meant that when I was older, I now have a good relationship with sex because I find it funny mm-hmm. or like, you know, I'll enjoy it more because it's not this like oppressive thing that's going to happen to me. But you watch porn, you know, if you're a young girl and you accidentally stumble across, you know, accidentally stumble across anything, do you? Um, but you <laughs> <laughs> I never do. You kind of can these days. You just accidentally stumble across a site where some woman is being like, unless you're watching um, uh, lesbo porn, yeah. which is where women have lovely t- a lovely time. Um, but women don't often come off well in right. in as it were in porn because um, the finish is always not fun, is it? No. I had to do one of my first jobs I ever got when I got an agent was um, I had to spend a week 
uh, it never made telly or the internet, but somewhere out there is this show, it's a sex show, where I um, host and I experience different sex things once a day for a week. <laughs> it was like someone shoved Mr. Bean into some sort of sex school and watched them. Uh, and I had to co-host it with a girl that seemingly, she was covered in tattoos she was seemingly like the more experienced of the two of us about yeah. the sex stuff. But there were things that shocked her as well, even though she tried to cover it up with like, oh, <laughs> this is this has so happened to me before. And it hasn't whatsoever. What kind of sex things? So we were doing like, so the first week we had to stand in Piccadilly Circus and mm. ask people questions about sex that were like quite abrupt. And I had this fantastic, I'm still friends with her now, this fantastic producer who just really encouraged me to just go and do it. And like, she works on things like Big Fat Gypsy Wedding, and oh, yeah. sort of quite in your face shows like that. So she had no, I really, I love this woman, um, but she had absolutely no qualms whatsoever, just like pushing me to do things. And I sort of need that sometimes because I'll get to like, oh, well, I, could, I couldn't possibly. But so I was asking quite intense sexual questions to people in the street. And then she got off of the internet um, a vial. It was like essential oil, but the smell of it was a sort of manufactured smell of a woman's vagina. Oh. So we had to, we put a little bit, it was manufactured, so it wasn't real. We put it on a little bit of tissue, and then we had another thing, and they had to guess what the smell was. And people were, like, coming back with, like, gravy and all sorts of things, <laughs> but it definitely wasn't. So that was, like, the first day. The second day, we hung out with a man who was a gay guy who was a, um, a, a blowjob specialist. Uh-huh. And so there was about six of us, and we all had a lesson on how to give the best blowjobs. And I sort of pretended I didn't know what I was doing at all, but I'm, I'm fine in that. You know, Were you practising on, like, bananas or something? I never needed a banana. I was, uh, when I got to the age that you're meant to be doing that sort of stuff, you know, it's not like boys don't want you to do that. So it's, <laughs> if you want to do that sort of thing, it's fine. They love it. So we... We had these lessons and there was one girl in the group and she so desperately wanted everyone to know that she was like, I've done this before and I'm like really clever and like, I know how to give blowjobs. She wanted to be the most experienced girl. She was really irritating, I'll be honest. Um, and then, so that was one day. And then the next day after that, we had what was called a pussy catwalk, which is where they'd hired a load of porn stars to wear tops, but no trousers. And uh, there were loads of women there. It was just all women in the room, but us to look at other women's vaginas. So they would just walk up and down this catwalk and pose and, and we'd just get to look at their minges. <laughs> Which is really, and I just was like, mm, yeah. No, no, no. What, what was the point? I mean, what were you supposed to just do? Just because you don't get to see women's vaginas oh, in right. a non-sexual, which was absolutely right. Like a lot of women have only ever seen porn star vaginas and haven't actually okay. seen vaginas. However, they could only get porn stars yeah. to do the catwalk. So <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? It was, but they'd got like more sort of quite normal-looking porn stars. I swear. Although there's one girl, she had a tiny vagina. Like it was just so tiny. <laughs> it was so small. <laughs> I wanted to make noises at it, but I didn't. So what was this? Sh- I mean, was the show? It was called the ever se- broadcast. No, I don't know where it is. I, I feel like they're they're waiting for me to be f- mega famous and then they're going to embarrass me with this sex show. But the worst thing that happens on the final day, we, there was a woman that got flown in from the Netherlands that came to teach us and three porn stars, so us the host and three porn stars, how to ejaculate as women. So she like took us through it and t- told us basically every woman can ejaculate and it's not a myth. And I was like, you know, oh, it's I had to be the cynic. And the other one was like, no, I've, I've ejaculated, even though she hadn't. Yeah. And we got taught by this woman how to do it. And then these three porn stars basically frigged themselves off. <laughs> and one of them came on my shoe. Oh. <laughs> I had suede shoes on, blue ones. 
And I went, after she did it, I went, you just come on my blues, won't you? <laughs> the other two... The other I believe two por- that was the inspiration for the song originally. Yeah. The two other porn stars had nails that were like three inches long and I was like, there's no way that they're going to be able to do anything with that. I mean, this is probably going to get cut, but... Um, <laughs> Isn't it, basically, she just weed on your shoes, right? Because isn't it kind of a myth? It's not we. It wasn't we. I I had to check because I'd never seen it before. And it came, it didn't come out like we either. She didn't just, it sort of shot out. (laughs) (laughs) It just shot out and like went on my shoe. And it was clear as well. It wasn't like, because there are glands that produce... There are glands in a woman. That are separate to the... Yeah, and they're behind the... I, she showed us the, on the model where it comes from. Yeah. Basically, the woman's clitoris goes all the way back to the end of the vagina wall. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I thought it was just the opening bit, but it goes all the way back. So, And at the back of there, there's a gland. And if you... Like a man has with his prostate. Yeah. If you ring the if bell. You, if you ring the bell, the juice flows. <laughs> <laughs> And she came on my shoe. I've never worn the shoes since. I touched it as well because I, I washed my hands and all that after. But I touched, I wanted to, because I'd never. And then I went home to my boyfriend after and I was like, right, I've learned some stuff. Let's get cracking. No, yeah. it didn't happen. We just ended up laughing and then that was the end of that that, that lesson. <laughs> I imagine it's like um, antibacterial gel. It's exactly like that. The consistency is the same. And it doesn't have a smell or anything like that. It no. was like just clear just gooey water that hmm. came out it was fascinating and i and it was the first job i ever got no 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 now before we started chatting you told me that you had a rat problem in your house. I did. I did. Have you moved out of that place yet then? Yeah, I've moved to Essex with the with the boy. Uh, it's our first time living together. Oh, okay. And we've moved to Leon C. It's really beautiful. Nice. Um cobbled streets. Uh, we've got a cardboard re- street. A cardboard street. Yeah. Uh they they've decided that's the new way down in Leon C. Cobbled streets. Right. Um and the sea it's got a sea view. It's really lovely. Wow. We see boats all the time cuz it's the estuary. It's not really the sea. I mean, South End has got some work to be done on it. I'll be honest. That needs some, uh, you know, like when Hull got all that money from that uh, the create the yeah. creative capital of of the UK. Please send it to South End. They need South something. End will be at some point cultural capital of the UK. I'm sure. Like, where's Canvey Island? Is that down? Not there? far. It's across the river from us. It's not far from. It's not. It's not far at all. You can get a ferry to it. Right, okay. So that's um, Dr. Feelgood and people like that. Yeah, yeah. That's the, from around there. Yeah, that's the, basically the area. Essex, it's... Uh, yeah. Up the road is Brentwood, which is where the only way is Essex is filmed. Okay. But this is sort of like... Like, you can buy Neil's yard where I live. I, I, that was the first thing I was at. Mm, it's gentrified. <laughs> I've, I've been able to get my moisturiser from around here. And they've got good coffee and things like that. So yeah. I... It's posher than the area I was in, which was Clapton, uh-huh. which is in East London, where I was living. On Chippendale Street, I can say it now. I've never been able to tell anyone that my the street I lived on was called Chippendale. It was quite cool because of the 90s strip. Sure. The Chippendales. Anyway, we had rats because the, uh, an outside pipe had collapsed due to all the building works in the area with everyone sending their houses. And this pipe had 
burst and then uh, all the rats came out of it. But because all of the houses had builders in them, they came to the only house in the area that wasn't getting any work done. And that was our house. So we were living, I was living with rats for about three months. And did you see them? Yeah, yeah, totally. They were big, big. One of them, I came home once, went in the kitchen. He was walking across the floor. He stopped, looked at me for a while and I went, hello, mate. And then he carried on walking yeah. slowly. Didn't even run. Yeah. Like there was the confidence of him. I know, the arrogance. <laughs> we had a rat problem at one point and one day I cornered, I think he must have been the, the godfather. <laughs> was he massive? He was He was like a cat. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was giant, this thing. Big, fat guy. Oh, ooh. And uh, he was in the corner of the barn and, and I cornered him and he wasn't quick enough to get away immediately. And he reared up and looked looked at me and he was just like ah. <laughs> he was probably freaked out I guess but it was very unsettling and I really wanted to dispatch the rat I wanted to kill the rat oh you get uh, the anger it was fu- to begin with because I used to have a pet rat yeah called Lily who was one of the best pets I ever had she loved me like I had real genuine affection from her like she'd only sleep on me she would hate being on anyone else but she would like fall asleep on my shoulder quite a lot and uh, she was a delightful pet and she died of natural causes. Or, yeah. I say natural causes. She died of tumours, which all rats do because of animal testing. That's just a thing. that The vet told us that when I was 14 years old and took a rat to go and get a tumour removed for 40 quid and my parents just looked at each other. What? So you had a rat that had been used for animal testing? In no, the but all rats and mice everywhere are prone to tumours now because of how much animal testing has been done on um, rats and mice over the years that it has been because that's been going on for decades. So a lot of rats, uh, especially pet rats that you get, um, will 99% of the time develop tumours. Right. But we, my, I was so sad. So mum and dad got, got, got one tumour removed, which cost her 40 quid, and then she died about four weeks later. Oh, mate. And the only thing my mother said was, what a waste of money that was then. <laughs> so blase about So you it. loved your rat. You didn't have homicidal feelings or raticidal feelings towards the Not invaders. immediately. I sort of was fine with them being there. My best friend's massively scared, so I knew I had to get rid of them at some point if she was going to come over. Yeah. Um, but the what happened was as they started... Uh, nesting and the smell yeah, oh, so man. my house smelled like urine I can tell when there's rats anywhere now mm. so like I walk down an alleyway and I can I know the specific pee smell because I've had to live with it mm-hmm. so what happened was my landlady just left the house that I was living in for eight years to the girl that lived there and then she never did any work on it at all and then uh, I tried to get so many people to fix the rat problem and no one would so I ended up calling Hackney Council and a man called Dennis, who was a rat enthusiast, I'd call him, yeah. who studied some sort of biochemistry at university. He was talking about a friend of his who was also, he was like, the two of us used to do biochemistry together at university and I've gone on to work at Hackney Council and he's a has a multi-million pound corporation. And I said to him, have you watched Breaking Bad? Um <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens to uh, <laughs> to Walter White. To Walter White, yeah, his mate goes off. They, they, they were... It was both of them that came up with the research that made the company millions. That's right. Um, and the company was called Grey Matter uh, because Walter White and he was called something black. I can't oh, remember. His... yeah. And then they came together and obviously made Grey Matter. So it was some sort of like... <laughs> yeah. And when I said this to Dennis, he was like, oh, wow, you're making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> But he knew everything about them and cared about them as well and cared about their personalities. Yeah. And, 
Um, he said rats are so clever that if you put food down for them, they'll take it and they'll never come back to that spot again. Oh. That's why they're great survivors, because they adapt to situations really, really quickly, like humans do. Yeah. Um, so they he had to put this special stuff down that they're attracted to, like cats are, to uh, catnip. He put it down, and then eight minutes later, we looked again, and it was gone. It was a big blue block as well. It was, re- it was just gone. Is that a poison thing? Yeah. Right. He said it'll take two weeks to kill them. And yeah. it'll kill the entire family. So I just felt terrible for two weeks. Yeah. My house smelled like piss and... <sighs> and then they start dying and then it gets really bad. Because I, I didn't kill the... the I didn't kill the godfather. He shot off. You could hear them scurrying around in the roof. That was the thing. And I went up there one time into the loft. And the insulation in the loft was just covered in all these rat, rat shits. And then after they got poisoned, because we had to get the guy in, because it was totally out of control, the whole situation, they obviously started dying there, but you couldn't tell where they had died. And I ended up having to go up there and look through all the insulation. And they tunneled into it and made a nest. And then when they died, like the big guy died, you couldn't go in the room for about six or seven months. It wasn't flies. It was just the smell. We avoided the flies, actually. And even after I went up there and removed the corpse, which I finally found, the smell just didn't go away. Oh, it was was like being in a horror film. I had flies real bad. You had flies. It was so bad. And the noise that they made when they died as well. And because they were drunk on this, like, corpse that was in my basement. This is a nice nice podcast so far, isn't it? (laughs) Um, the, the the flies came and I um and and I was hoovering flies. Just there's a Henry Hoover in on 15 Chippendale Street in Clapton, which just has thousands of flies in it because I just hoovered them up for a weird reason. Our downstairs toilet, which was a little cubicle on its own, was the place where they went to the most because you'd open that door and then there would be like 50 of them are dead on the floor. The rats or the flies? The flies. The rats were dead by okay. this point. Oh yeah, okay. And then the maggots came and then the flies came afterwards. <laughs> I know that that ha- that's the si- that's the maggots how- were nice, but the flies well, not so nice. <laughs> the maggots I can deal with because they don't come near you. Ho- hoovering flies is quite fun. I mean, it's sort of mass murder, I suppose, isn't it? But um, I can't get that upset about flies. My next door neighbour told me that she's a vegan. However, she um, has to kill slugs. Okay, she's a gardener. Right, There's right. no other way of getting rid of slugs other than killing them. And I think it, it's quite a moral... It's a, a conundrum. It's a quandary and a conundrum for her yeah. to deal with how, how she deals with garden slugs. I'm so glad I don't put restrictions on myself like that. I'll kill anything. Jade, I got you some gifts. Oh, have you? Yeah. I'm excited about this. Don't get too excited. 
I got you this gift, but it turned out to be a bit disappointing. I thought it was going to be more fun. Oh. Um, you That's always the best this. way to give someone a gift. Yeah. <laughs> um, art oracles, creative and life inspiration from the great artists. Oh, that sounds cool. It does uh, sound got, cool, doesn't it? Um, you have, I'd love to be able to name all these people. The only one I can is Vincent Picasso, but then you've got that, is that Pablo? <laughs> yeah, Pablo. I got and, Vincent van Gogh and Pablo yeah. Picasso the go. wrong way around, didn't I? Vincent Picasso would be a good name for a band. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, anyone, if you are going to use that, just let me know. And yeah. I'll or a lead singer. Lead singer, Vincent Picasso. Yeah. That's good, that. See? Perfect. Told you. Making up words. And then there's that Japanese lady that's into spots. Uh, well, there's a little booklet oh. in the box that tells you who all the featured it. artists are. Um, Yeo Kusama. I don't know her. Um, she loves spots and mm. she used to have, um, she had, I, what I know about her, she had a mental health issue and then she fixed it with art. That was one of the BuzzFeed things I read. Oh, oh cool. I like this. But then the the cards These themselves. Are cards. Are they? Yeah, this is wicked. This is a really cool present. Do you want me to do your tarot? Yes, please. Um, well, I'll do it like my best friend Babs does. She's got these um, animal cards and we do them every Christmas. You choose three cards and then it's a past, present and future. And then you basically just have to interpret what the what the thing is that comes out. So yeah. I'll just shuffle them. Okay. Okay. This is Jade Adams and Adam Buxton reading tarot. They don't advertise themselves as tarot cards. That's no. something that you've... Well, they're oracle cards because tarot cards are a specific thing. Okay. I basically got a story for everything, I'll be honest. Someone um, got in touch with me once and said, do you know any palm readers? And I said, how much is it? And they said it was 200 quid and it was in Leeds. And I said, well, is it next week? And they were like, no, it's in three weeks. And I went, I'll, I'll learn how to do palm reading in order to do the gig. So I basically learned how to palm read in three weeks off of YouTube and sort of, um, it's all a load of old rubbish. You just got to convince people the stuff you're saying, which is essentially what stand up is. And make it make them laugh at the same time. That's a form of cold reading, is it? Yeah, yeah. What magicians do when they say, uh, "Hang on, your name is," and they just guess loads of stuff. You've, I can see <coughs> there's a kettle that needs mending in your house, and people are like, "Yes, that's right." That's well, me. it's not a kettle; it's a Hoover. But yes, <laughs> um, here you are. Pick three cards. All right. And this is your past. Okay. Present. And your future. Right. So the artist on my past card is Ai Weiwei. Ai Weiwei. And what does it say underneath? And it says, so on each card there are three symbols. What do the symbols refer to? Uh, life, work and inspiration. And the life for Ai Weiwei says, when authority says to be quiet, get a loudspeaker. Yeah. And under work it says, art must fight for freedom or the whole world is a prison. Yeah, that's exactly what I used to do in the past. And then inspiration is the eye. Inspiration. Some things are whole only when they shatter. <gasps> I don't know how that really refers to my past. Yeah. These are not quotes from the artists or anything. They're just things that the... The writer has written. Yeah, that the writer has ascribed to these artists. And I don't find them particularly practical. Well, I, what they'll be really good for is that... Do I get to keep these things yeah. as well? well what will be really useful is that um, when I have dinner parties, I'll be able to impress loads of middle-class friends of mine <laughs> with these things, and they'll all sit there and nod their heads like they do when I tell fake horoscopes to people. Yeah. My favourite thing to do is to ask someone what their horoscope is and then read them someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Do you not believe in any of that stuff? I 
always think because I've got um, my sister died, um, and I always think that if there was an afterlife, she'd definitely be trying to get in touch with me. Like mm. uh, by hook or by crook, she'd be in touch with my mum or I. And there was lots of unfinished business with her as well. She was 27 when she died and didn't really achieve very much. And I've spoken about this in, in various other I heard you before. talking about it with Carrie Ed Lloyd on, yeah. on Griefcast. What a lovely podcast that is. Yeah. Um, it was really, really nice. It was lovely to talk about her. But she, I, I just think that if there was an afterlife, she'd be knocking on the door or at least coming through the walls. Mm. And she's not. Um, and uh, we once had a girl, my mum had a, f- a friend of hers who... Um, who told her that she a psychic she'd come to her as a psychic medium, but it, I just don't I just don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm agnostic. I'm open to the concept of of spirituality. If it cut, if it can, and I know the idea of faith is to just believe. But I'm a facts girl. I if I'm going to invest any time and attention into something, I need it proven first. And also, I'm not scared of death either. I've seen it. I've seen someone die. It's it's fine. Are you really not like your sister died of a brain tumor? Yeah, or complications from? Yeah, yeah, from her. She had a seizure. Yeah, and then there was only two options, which was turning the machines off or leaving her on a machine for the rest of her, in quotation marks, life. So, did you and your family have that figured out already? There wasn't a disagreement or a discussion about whether you wanted just to. I don't know if anyone made any choices. I because I wasn't party to that. Okay, but I wouldn't. They know what my my views would have been on that but I don't think my mum and dad would have kept her how long ago was this seven years okay in 2011 April 24th 2011 it happened and I guess what I was going to say was do you think that it really made you fearless I think rather than I'm fearless I feel like I'm just a little bit more able to rationalize tough situations and you're not terrified of the prospect of mortality in that way I mean yeah it does change when you've seen someone die but did you were you freaking out at the time though when she was ill and when she was dying? I was I was in a room full of all my family and I knew I had to keep my shit together when we were there. So I didn't have the time to freak out. I always freak out later. So I'll have a difficult situation happen and then later on, after I've turned it over in my head, that's when I'll react to something and it always happens later. But I feel like the worst thing that could ever happen to me has already happened. So what what am I moaning about? Mm-hmm. I've been given this uh, sort of opportunity to do what it is I want to do. And I've been given this because I think if she hadn't have died, I don't think I'd probably be where I am. Did you already want to be a comedian or a performer before she died? Yeah, but I wasn't, I didn't know how, I didn't know. You weren't as focused. Yeah, no, I was sort of, I was always in her shadow. I was, she was always much better at everything than I was. So I sort of, when she died, I sort of, the excuse I used to have, which is, oh, Jenna was going to do that. Um, the excuse I had got went. Um, while she got sicker and sicker, I felt it was all too much pressure to do things because she couldn't. She used to say to me things like, you know, you've got to do it for both of us. And I used to hate that because I'd be like, oh, just do it for yourself. <laughs> I, d- I didn't like the romanticism that she used to try and put on her illness because it made it too real for me then. I was like, oh, just do stuff yourself. Yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. cancer, you're not dead yet. I know, I, I've met a girl um, who runs a charity called Copperfield. Uh, she's called Chris Hallinger. She was diagnosed about nine years ago with stage four breast cancer. And the stuff she's accomplished in the last nine years, it's been incredible. She's amazing. She hates that anyway. She hates being told that she's amazing. Yeah. I tell her she's an asshole. 
but um, <laughs> she, uh, you know, she's accomplished so much in that time. And I used to just want Jenna to do that. Like, just go and do something. Stop mm-hmm. being useless. But she couldn't. She was, she was never really like that anyway. I just, you know, someone gets sick with cancer and they're young. You just kind of want them to shave their head and start doing memes and stuff like that. But <laughs> I didn't have that. She didn't do that. Right. It was part of me that was like, let's start a charity. And it was not, it's not, that's not how it is. It's, you know, sometimes people just die and it's quite normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was talking to someone the other day, talking to Darren Brown. He wrote a book, um, called happy and there was a big section in there about death and our attitudes to it and everything and he was talking about that the language that surrounds illness and the whole being brave and fighting and all that sort of stuff often just puts more pressure on the people who are ill yeah it's just one more thing that they can't do sometimes yeah i have this as well you know if you you want to try and fix people feeling sad and, you know, you just give them loads of advice that, you know, you can't, someone who's dying, you can't fix it. It's mm-hmm. just, it is what it is. And you just have to listen and distract as well. Yeah. I, you know, you just distract people. If you meet someone who's dying or ill, just talk about something else. They don't want to talk about their illness or, unless they do. Yeah. And they're worried about something. And then just listen. But other than that, just try and distract them. Like Patch Adams. <laughs> It's gonna be, it's gonna be funny. I used to do it in the hospital. I was just like, stop moaning around and talking about cancer all the time. It's really boring. Yeah, I hope you didn't do it like Patch Adams. <laughs> just an impression of Patch Adams. Um, <laughs> Fucking Patch Adams. I haven't seen that for a while. I really love all Robin Williams films. Do you? I love them all. Yeah, and there's not a single one I don't like. Oh my god! He, it's uh, him. He has that with what me. Patch? You even you're you're including Patch Adams. I loved Patch in the Adams. canon of great Robin Williams. I, I loved Patch films. Adams, also because he was called Adams as well. Yeah, that and Adams Family favorite film. No, while I was on a bit of a surfing mission with your name in the search bar, I came across you doing a bit about Adele. Yeah, I used to impersonate her. You've got a good voice. Thanks. Do you love Adele then? I do. I've had some opportunities where I could meet her and I left. Liam Gallagher can't meet Ringo Starr. Doesn't want to be in the same room as him. He can't handle it. And I think I've got the same thing with her. I just don't want to meet her. Yeah, okay. Because it'll be disappointing because she might not like me and then I'll be really sad that she doesn't like me. And I'm older than her as well, so it'll be a bit weird that I've, as a 33-year-old woman, trying to coerce a 29-year-old into being my friend. But I do love her. I love her because she's changed... All these things on the internet of body positivity and all these fat people getting themselves in their underwear and showing their bits off, I ate it. I don't want to look at that on my phone on a Monday morning when I'm trying to have a coffee. <laughs> but one of the people that have really changed the face of being big is her. And she's done it in such a classy way. And I think she's incredible for it. She's kind of made women like her a thing that people want to be part of. Yeah. And I can't deny that things have gone much better for me, since Adele has made it really popular to be a strong, bolshy, working-class fat girl mm-hmm. um, who's who's good at stuff. Uh, she's made that a thing, and I sort of, you know, I thank her for that. She's put that in the mainstream. Less people will call people fat because of Adele, and that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, I think people are gradually getting their head around the idea that actually the way people look is the least important thing. Or yeah. It's the thing we should... On the, It's a weird schism, because on the one hand, you've got all the... Jenners and the Kardashians of the world who seem to be all about the way they look. 
But then on the other Except hand... Except for when she's having a baby and she wants to conceal that child from everyone. Yeah. And it's not just women. Of course, there's there's um, a lot of vanity in the male world as well, but it's not viewed that way traditionally. You know, because in so many ways, you don't judge people by the way they look in the way that you used to in the olden days. Like when my dad was a kid, it was all about... Well, for them, it was all about, are your shoes shiny? And is your hair neat? And is it the right length? And all those kinds of things. So as long as you conformed to those things, it didn't really matter what you did otherwise. You know what I mean? As long as your hair was the right length and your suit was pressed, properly cut and your shoes were shiny and all that stuff. My dad used to bollock on about and I just never gave a shit about it and never understood why he cared so much about it. But I suppose it's just a yearning for order, isn't it? But um, going back to Adele. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you see her at Glastonbury? I'd never seen her. Oh, my God. It looked before. like she'd won the opportunity to yeah. perform at Glastonbury. Her intersong banter really made me laugh because, you know, she belts <laughs> out these amazing With emotional no songs. It's just her on the stage. Just her, it? yeah. Amazing. She has no, I saw her show. She has no uh, warm up or anything. Right. It's just her. So she belts out these songs and then, then she does this banter that's. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm at Glastonbury. Last time I was in that crowd, I'm, I was in that crowd just a few years ago. And I, I remember I was desperate for a pee. I had to pee in a cup. <laughs> that was one of them. I love her. I had to pee in a cup. And then it's like, after the next amazing song, she's like, I'm starving. Who else is starving? I could murder some chips. I'd love a dirty burger. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite thing is knowing there somewhere there is someone watching her do that with their mouth open seeing how their beloved pyramid stage at Glastonbury is what it's been turned into. Yeah. The people that have performed on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury, yeah. they've gone on there and they've been themselves and they've done their thing. And Adele did her thing as well. She went on there. She didn't care about all of that stuff. She just went on there, was Adele, did her song, did her stuff and then left. Yeah. Whilst, oh my God. She did selfies she on stage. She put a fez on. She put a fez on. Oh, that... you got a little hat. I'll put that on. I'll let... Isn't it funny? <laughs> I'd love a shit right now. Who'd like a shit? If I had a big bucket, I'd shit right here on the stage. <laughs> Is that real melody? Heavy's in my phone charger. Well, well, I left it right there. Well, Did you see it? Well, have you got it? Where's my charger gone? Where's my phone charger? The battery is about to die. It was on the table. Round and round in their heads go the chord progressions, the empty lyrics, and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box. Start of every bar. At the start of every bar. Boom goes the brain box. I've got another gift for you. Okay. All right. I saw a card today in a shop that said, to make it clear that I don't really care about you, I've got you a scented candle. (laughs) 
and I saw the card after I had bought you this. Oh, you've got me a scented candle from True Grace. And the smell is Chesil Beach. Yeah. Is it expensive? Yes, mate. Was it? Scented candles cost loads. That, well, you'd say, you, you say that like sarcastically, but... I no, they do. De- Joe Malone candles? Yeah. They're like 70 quid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hugely expensive. Uh, this wasn't 70 quid, but it was a lot. Chesil <laughs> Beach. Read out what it says, the description of the smell. On the beach, watching the changing skies, sun-bleached pebbles and driftwood, a tang of salt and fresh seaweed for a moment you are alone. You wouldn't think that the smell of a beach would be something that you'd want in your own home, would you? I don't know. I'm, um, I'm sniffing. Yeah. It doesn't smell like any beach I've been to. No, can and I have a sniff? Yeah, there's no salt or seaweed. Who wants to smell seaweed? I like eating it, but... This smells a little bit like a brown substance that my mum used to apply to her legs and then to remove the hairs. Oh, is that like um, the old... There was like an old-fashioned leg hair removal yeah. that was brown. She'd heat it up in the pot, I remember, and then she'd get a wooden spatula and spatula <laughs> it onto her legs. And then she'd sit there and wait for it to harden and then peel it off. And then, uh, and then she'd heat it all back up again. So it was just this, this kind of crazy, infernal, hairy, waxy, weird Good resin that she would just heat up and keep. Anyway, th- did it work? Yeah, it worked fine. But it smelt quite nice. It smelt like this. Chesil Beach. Yeah. Would she, she have dark black hair. Your mom? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a. I don't really grow hair on my body very well. Um, except for my chin, it's discovered since I've turned in thirty. Okay. It was. It was. Um. I wrote a little. Um. A little rhyme about this when it started happening. I. I was like, my name is Jade Adams and I'm thirty-one. I was born on a Wednesday to my dad and my mum. It was nineteen eighty-four. There was nothing yet I feared because no one told me I was gonna grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> is it a proper little tufty beard or no, is it it's just, just the one or two it's hairs, just the one, stray one, hairs yeah but they can't they just keep i'm always i'm at it a lot mm-hmm. and then i get really obsessed and i'm constantly stroking my chin and looking like i'm up to something that's what i do if i could just grow a good old like salt and pepper beard that'd be great <laughs> but it's just a couple of tufty hairs that you can see through the, the sunbeams in the window of the car oh, okay and then my boyfriend looks over and goes babe you got to get that. And I'm like, you got to get it. And he's like, which one? And then that freaks me out because <laughs> I just don't want to. But I've got wax strips that get rid of it because I sometimes you it comes and you're like, mm-hmm. and I'm obsessed with touching it. I've got one that grows out. I've got a rogue one that grows out just on my cheek to the uh, left of my nose. And it will just overnight, it'll grow out like an inch or something. And then it's, I got a white one that I get that with. And then I try and pluck it out with my fingernails but I can't get purchase on it (laughs) and it drives me crazy I can spend up to five minutes doing it before I just go and hunt for a pair of tweezers I've got weirdly hairless forearms but the rest of me is very hairy so you have hair everywhere but your forearms yeah everywhere except where a a manly man would want hair (laughs) on your forearm on your forearm so you can be like Popeye I don't know if Popeye had hairy arms. He didn't. He just had tattoos, didn't he? But um, I don't, yeah, I don't grow hair very well. I I grow it, but it's straight and and it's wispy and set my chin. 
Yeah, I don't mind hairy people. Do you remember when Julia Roberts didn't shave her armpits and everyone was complaining about it? I just thought, she looks great. Well, I've recently done that. Yeah. So I've not done it for sort of any sort of political movement, but I've just not shaved my armpits for a while. And I've inadvertently got some Julia, I've got some Julia Roberts going on. My chap wants me to shave it. Because he's like, I've never been with a woman who doesn't shave her armpits. And I'm like, well, it's winter. Why would I put a razor to my body during the winter just to appease your um, ideals about... And then I'll sort of throw the feminism card in there. You go, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's just laziness, really. I guess it's what you're used to, isn't it? Uh, The first person that I really went out with properly had hairy armpits and... I just thought, yeah, why wouldn't you kind of thing? My best mate's got them. She's And she's ginger as well. Hers are orange. She's proud. There's a proud orange-haired lady there with, with everything about her is orange as well. And I've seen her naked quite a few times and yeah. she's got a fabulous bush. <laughs> so bright. It's like my hair. Because like, mine's not natural. Um, I'm not a natural ginger, even though I dye it that way. Mm-hmm. But um, she, it's, it's this colour. It's like bright orange. It's yeah. fabulous. Um, so Chesil Beach, are you going to use that candle? I probably will, yeah. But you're not like, oh, I love scented candles. My sister really likes scented candles. I love gifts. I don't care what they are. Okay. I'm never the type of person that ever tells anyone to take a gift back if it doesn't fit. I'll just have it and be really grateful that someone bought me something. Right, I like that. You haven't read On Chesil Beach by Ian McEwan, have you? I haven't read a book for probably 10 years until recently because I was on Radio 4 as a good read. Okay. And they got me to read three books. Whoa. And, uh, did you actually read them? I I, I, I realised I audio read them. Book? I did loads of audio. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sped up as well because I was getting close <laughs> to the the day I had to go and film it. And it, I record it, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then when we were there, I realised I actually didn't really need to read them. Mm-hmm. I, I had to read the one I was in. Well, I already knew a lot about public. I did John Ronson's So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Oh, how did you like that? Um, it was great. I mean, it was all the stuff I'd already... Because since that book came out, all of that stuff sort of dispersed itself across the internet anyway. So I was, I'd was i already sort of read... You were familiar the, with a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, loads of stuff in there. And I thought, I'm, I'm really interested in the idea of public shaming. and Yeah. Because uh, it's all... The, people are losing their jobs because of it. You've got that Logan Paul guy um, who did that Japanese... Was that oh, Japanese the, the suicide. suicide forest thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's horrible. What an awful human being that guy is. Like, oh, I hate that guy. However... I don't think people should have the power to remove... Totally dis- yeah, destroy, destroy someone's destroy. life. Destroy it. Like that girl who got on that up. plane and, you know, she came off She came off of the plane. She wrote that stupid tweet that was in, in the book. She wrote that stupid tweet about Africa and then she came off and, you know, she had death threats and stuff. People are insane. Yeah. Like, don't be ruining lives because you don't like someone something someone said. So you don't like judging people? I like being compassionate and, and, and also if you meet someone who's weird, who's different, then you can get things out of them, can't you? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not scared of people. I don't like being judged myself and I certainly wouldn't judge someone else, I don't think. I don't like being judged. I don't like, I heard, I heard recently someone called me mad, like someone, someone said I was crazy and I was like, I don't think I am, I think I'm, I think I'm really sane. But were they saying it in an affectionate way, though? It was affectionate. It was like, oh, she's mad. And it sort of annoyed me. I was like, I don't, that's not, that's because you don't get me that you're saying that. Oh, okay. I, I, that's what I thought I got from it. I was like, you're, you're doing that because you don't understand me. Yeah. There's something that's jarring for you and you're not giving me time. Right. And rather than grapple with it, they're just sort of writing you off as like, oh, she's mad. 
It's interesting because I, I preach this stuff and then I have to often put it into practice when I, I, if I find someone's company difficult. It's the only reason I ever find anyone difficult is that they've decided they don't like me. Uh-huh. If someone likes me, I'm all, I'm like a dog. I'm just brilliant. <laughs> Great. Wicked. What's next? Yeah. But if someone doesn't like me, then I, I'm like, but why? I'm not, but yeah. why? And why? I'm nice. So what was the book that you read? What, which is the book that you enjoyed most? Um, I'll say this now. One of the books I read, I absolutely hated. It was like a mum on the beach book. It was Anne Cleves, The Seagull. Uh And I lied on the podcast and they were like, please don't lie. And I was like, I'm not. It's just the three of us in this room. I'm not going to tell this lovely woman that I don't like the book that she's chosen. Okay. It was a murder mystery and I didn't care what the outcome was. Right. But the third book was uh, brilliant. It was Carrie Fisher's Postcards from the Edge. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Which is great. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. She's a brilliant writer. Mm, She was. She turned a great phrase. I recommend Chesil Beach on Chesil Beach. It'll take you a couple of hours to read. Is it real thin? Yeah, it's really thin. I love thin books. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the pictures. Yeah, like um, Sun Tzu, The Art of War, which people are always shitting on about, right? There was a touchstone for people in business and all sorts of... It's supposed to be a great insight into male psychology and tactics of war and all this sort of crap. Um, I mean, it's like a pamphlet. You sort of imagine this huge, great tome, Sun Tzu, the art of war from the 11th century or whatever it is, you know. I think it's like the Chilcot Report. Yeah, I think it's going to turn up. It's going to take you a year to read it. No, it's about 16 pages or something. (laughs) On Chesil Beach is known as a novella because it's so short. It's really good. It's about this young couple who are on their honeymoon set in the 60s and... They haven't yet consummated their relationship and they're staying at this hotel on Chesil Beach in Dorset. So it's all about the build up to the moment of consummation or or their efforts to consummate the marriage and the aftermath. He's brilliant at minute detail, Ian McEwen. Like he's got a stand up comedian's eye for the minutiae. Oh, I like that. And he's so good at describing things. His his, uh, vocab is amazing. But he really gets into the details of how people think. And it's, it's great. I really oh, recommend well, it. It's oh, not then. for everyone. You know, I, I know some people who read it who found it really, left them really cold. They made a film out of it with Sir Ronan a couple of years ago. I haven't seen it. Oh, did they? Yeah. I can't imagine how it would make a good film. i said that name. I've been seeing her name around recently because she's in Ladybird. Yeah, that's right. And I've been calling her Swarche. Yeah, Swarche. Who was it that got in trouble for mispronouncing her name recently at some awards show? And everyone was like, how dare you mispronounce her name? It's offensive. Why didn't you look it up? It's like, fuck's sake, come on. It's an Irish name. They you don't spell the name the before. That, they, they don't, and all, you know, they don't spell the way they, they, they don't spell the way they sound. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it's not, it's ridiculous. Anyone that gets offended by that is an absolute knob. Like, <laughs> what an absolute, people that get offended by mispronouncing, you know, people also forgetting people's names yeah like i you probably get it a lot where you're in an industry where you're meeting a 10 ton of people i don't remember every single associate producer i work with yeah man and they're like oh you don't remember my name and then they make you feel bad about it and i'm like just be cool it doesn't matter if people don't remember your name make sure the next time you meet them they remember your name and not through negative ways don't pick on someone because they've i because i i'm not i call people babe darling and love a lot yeah because that covers it up and also i get away with it this yeah all right love How's it going? So nice to see you again. Yeah. It feels real. Hey, man. I know. That's my technique. It's just, man. all right, man. But I'm exactly the same. I do not get offended if someone can't remember my name. 
And people often call me Joe, which yeah. is my comedy wife. And uh, <laughs> I'm not fussed, you know. So what? To be able to recognise someone, you don't have to ne- necessarily know their name, but to recognise someone is so charming mm. and, and sexy. Like, just to be remembered by someone, we're all just like, thank God someone remembers who I am. I do remember people, but yes, it's it's almost, it feels worthless without the name to go with it. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, of course, you know, you have you have an emotional memory of what that person is. Like, yeah, you're nice. I remember you, you know, you're cool. But I just don't remember your name. Someone I slept with once, I, did, I forgot. I was in Bristol. I just uh-huh. totally forgot them. I had had a one-night stand with them, but I knew them beforehand. And they, I saw them in the street and they, they said, uh, hey! And I was like, oh, hey! I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. How do we know each other? And he went, we had sex. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Was um, I pissed? And he went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> is that because you slept with a lot of people or just because it wasn't a very just, memorable encounter? It wasn't a memorable encounter. I, I'd say, I wouldn't say I've slept with a lot of people. I'd say that I've had an interesting life. I've had a lot of um, being insecure and just, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have enjoyed all of those times that I've had sex. I was insecure just trying to find someone to love me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I probably loved in some part everyone I've ever had sex with because I was just trying to find someone to want to do it with me more than once yeah but was it a big deal when you lost your virginity no it was awful it was in my first show yeah i reenacted how i imagined i'd like to lose my virginity at the age of 15 and how it actually happened i did two scenes uh-huh. and i said the guy's name we used to be friends on facebook and then after my edinburgh run in 2016 he blocked me oh you you used his real name yeah just <laughs> over and over again i couldn't stop it was oh, terrible uh, there's a there's a improv group called the noise next door and they've got this great game it's such oh we'll play it now it's a really great game okay um it's uh it's names of people at school so you have to say three names yeah one of the names is one you made up and then two of the names are real names from people at school okay so i'll do one now so we've got um ashley dowling melissa douglas and lydia mckenzie uh and i'm supposed to say which one's fake yeah ashley douglas well it was ashley dowling but yes ashley dowling correct ashley dowling was fake but melissa but you're meant to make them more like so i had like names like we had people like maxine eddles and missy harding uh-huh. And names like, like names are mental. Like you always say, someone that you went to school with, you say the first name and their last name. Yeah, did you yeah. Have any, who did you have at school? Um, Kathy Sprague. <laughs> I love Kathy Sprague. She's great. She was really cool. She was a mod. <laughs> was she? Yeah. Was she a mod? My boyfriend used to be a mod. Did she have the shaved head and the bits and the? And she the didn't have the shaved head because she wouldn't have got away with it at the school we were at. But she had the gear. And the sort of patterned skirts, the... <gasps> nice. The, boots? Uh, yeah, little boots. And she loved Paul Weller and she had the all the, the badges and everything. And yeah, she was great. Pippa Grimes? Pippa Grimes, that's good. That's a good name. She was cool too. She was into Bowie. And she would talk in an American accent. Even though she wasn't American? Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to someone else about this recently. That It was a thing. It was a cool thing to go around and... Do American accents. Hey guys, what's going on? Um, they all really liked Greece, the film Greece, I guess. What year was this? We must have been about uh, 11. Okay, so um, 1902. And this was 1982. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I was not even a speckle in my mother's eye. No, exactly. No. It was a different time. Uh, we had uh, Emma Skuse. 
Emma's excuse. She was the most popular girl at school. Everyone liked her because she had big lips. <laughs> and they were real. No, she had ma- she was a white girl with like really big lips. Be stung like, lips. Mm. You know, all the boys want want to be somewhere near a girl with big lips sure. at some point. We had um uh I there was a girl I went to sixth form with called Esther Wood Robinson Walker Jones. Whoa. She had two double barrel names. That's amazing. Say it, it again. Esther Wood Robinson Walker Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry Barnacle oh was a good one he's a model now he's like you can google him Henry Barnacle is he still called Henry Barnacle he's called Henry Barnacle yeah he's a, a male model we had a Michael Hunt what yeah did you we did oh was he popular um he wasn't unpopular he was pretty good looking but he was called Mike Hunt so that's mental yeah how his parents not know about that i know maybe they just didn't swear very much or something mike hunt michael hunt his name's mike hunt yeah man. i cannot believe someone did that to their child my nephew's called paris pang paris pang yeah that's like a drag queen name or i know something. i hope he is i hope he's a drag queen <laughs> my brother's half chinese uh-huh so um, my mum was married to a Chinese bloke before she met my dad. Now my brother, my but my dad raised him. So they've got all these like all the kids are like Laurie Pang, Georgia Pang, Paris Pang. It's like real. My brother is called Kane Pang. He is the most. He's so unfazed by my career. He doesn't give a shit at yeah. all. I'm like why? Because he's only ever seen me once. And I'm like, why don't you come to gigs? And he's like, well, you don't come and watch me do electrics, do you? So. <laughs> <laughs> This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area. And spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Dorothy and Nasty Television. Hey, welcome back, Podcats. Jade Adams there. Really enjoyed meeting Jade. And I do encourage you to go and see her live if you get the opportunity. Oh, check out those crunchy woods. That would be a good name for, um, for James Woods' uh, right-wing chocolate bar. Crunchy fucking woods. Not for libtards. That's not what James Woods sounds like. Ah, it's nice to be able to go for a walk without trudging through torrential rain. Yesterday was amazing out here. I lay in the sunshine for a while. 
just enjoying a facial vitamin D bath. And then in the evening yesterday, I cycled into Norwich with my son to go and see some live music at the Norwich Arts Centre. A friend of mine, Dowdy Matsiko, was playing there, supporting uh, Portico Quartet. It was such fun seeing him perform close up in a small venue. Those are the best gigs always, aren't they? Don't you think, like, close up, you're just standing there and it's a real thrillingly direct connection that you get from standing in front of another human being playing music. Unless it's really, really shit music. But this wasn't, it was good. And one of Dowdy's songs, Dowdy spelt D-A-U-D-I, by the way. One of Dowdy's songs was inspired, he said, in his preamble, by some bits of dialogue from Annihilation. I thought that was a weird coincidence. I'd been talking about Annihilation, Alex Garland's film, a couple of weeks back on the podcast, and... There he was, uh, playing a song, a new song that was inspired by it. It was good too, the song that is, and the film. What else? Oh, hey, this podcast has been nominated for a Webby Award. Whoa, okay. They are like the Oscars of the internet world, and they have seen fit, after accepting my entry fee, to nominate me in the interview-slash-talk-show category alongside... Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Conversations podcast and Here's the Thing, hosted by Alec Baldwin. There's also another couple of podcasts nominated that I haven't heard of. But look, this is big, podcasts. If I win this, imagine, imagine the kind of stars that I'll have access to. They're all going to be thinking, I'm not going to go on Mark Maron's show. I'm going to get on a plane and go to East Angular in United Britain and go for a walk with Dr. Buckles and Rosie the dog, because they won a Webby Award. And I don't do anything unless someone has a Webby Award. That's what it's gonna be like, me and Meryl Streep, wandering through these fields, and going back for tea with Chris Rock while Jennifer Lawrence takes selfies with Rosie. Ah, it's gonna be amazing. I'll tell you what though, you can vote if you want. There's a People's Voice Award that they give in each category for the nominee who gets the most online votes from members of the public. So, if you wanted to, you could go to webbyawards.com and click on the categories tab on the front page and navigate to podcast and digital audio and then click on the tab that says general and and then go to interview slash talk show and then sign in and create a profile and vote. I mean, it's a nightmare, isn't it? What kind of person would do that? I'll tell you who. A podcat. That's who. <laughs> no, look, if you can't be bothered... I totally understand. But I'm just telling you, it's an option if you're incredibly bored. But uh, I'm very pleased and excited to be nominated. I think they announce the winners in a couple of weeks' time, or thereabouts. So I will let you know. I'll certainly let you know if I win. I might not say anything if I don't. All right, that's enough foofling for one week. Rosie, come on, let's head back. Thank you very much indeed, once again, to Jade Adams for giving up her time and coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you to Seamus Murphy Mitchell, as ever, for his invaluable production support. 
And uh, thanks to Acast, who continue to host this and many other great, great podcasts. Back again next week. Until then, go carefully. I love you. Bye!